much for what you're doing. I appreciate your patience today. My voice is a, a little little off, so uh, you'll work with me. Also, I want to say those songs were just lined straight up with where we're going. And you get to see this opportunity um, in Psalm 36, verse 9. As I was having my time with the Lord, this verse stood out. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. In your light, we see light. Now, this is what's really cool. It's because when we look at things through the lens of Jesus, everything becomes different. Am I right? Everything becomes more beautiful. For example, you saw CJ up here, and he's a tremendous artist. He's a senior here, just a tremendous, tremendous artist. He goes to Mojo Festival. He's all over. He's got articles been written about him. His family's here. We just love them. And just to see what happens when you take the abilities that God's given you and what you can do for the Lord and take this opportunity to worship. He's this guy that can just paint spontaneous and, and literally just take a thought and within three to four minutes put something up that's phenomenal. It's just brilliant the way he does it. And what happens is, in the light of Christ, what God gives us changes us. So we, we don't just sing a song based on it sounds good. We sing a song because it's transferred us from the inside out. So what happens today, I want us to look at something that is, is powerful. This series that we're looking at. And the series that we're moving into is because it's Thanksgiving and Christmas. Lord willing, we're, we're trying to wedge those together. I want you to see something powerful in the Lord. That the greatest gift that we've been given is the mercies of God. Jesus is the mercy of God. He didn't come to live. He came to die. And so what happens we get to see things only through the light of Christ. We can only see things through the Lord. So how can Jesus be seen? This idea of in your light, we see life. Uh, Matthew 5, 16. Let your, anybody know? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good and glorify your Father in heaven. It's in his light, we see light. Things become beautiful. Things become art. art becomes majestic. Art becomes transformative into worship. Things that we do, our lives, take on a whole new meaning. That's why Romans 12, 1 has become a popular passage within Christendom. It says, I beseech you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, there it is, I beseech you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer your body, anybody know, is living what? That's right. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual or reasonable act of worship. So what happens is, our lives now, in Christ, take on a whole new meaning. And so, today, as we sing about the mercy of God, and that how God is greater, because it's in His light, we see light. We don't see anything but darkness without Jesus. Come on, somebody. We don't see anything but how do I say, say this politically correct? I'm just kidding. How do we, we don't see anything good about certain things coming up on Tuesday. And, and right? Without the light of Christ, all people can see is darkness and venom. You've been on social media. It just gets really, really bad. But what happens when Jesus moves in, he can take me, who is bad, and transform it into something he can use. Now, my wife might debate that, but nonetheless, that's not right. God can do it. So, we're called to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And how does this happen? I, I want to show you a video by Tony Evans. It just meant something to me, and maybe uh, it'll explain. He just kind of takes the book of Romans, and he just kind of outlines it briefly within a, like a minute and 51 seconds based on how we got to the mercies of God. And so, the greatest gift... This Christmas season is not the ones that we give or the ones that we get. What makes us thankful is not just our families or the abilities that God's given us. It's the mercies of God. As Seth Brim was praying this morning, his mercies are new every morning. So maybe we could take a look at that video. Is that okay? Are we good to go? 
We're good? Maybe take a look at this video and see how it explains it. Second Corinthians chapter four. Let's turn there if you have it. The notes are on Facebook at Summit Church. Second Corinthians chapter four. So we're asking this whole time to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Why? Because the mercies of God, since Jesus came and offered Himself as a living sacrifice, then we, who are co-heirs with Christ, image bearers, offer ourselves as living sacrifices. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, we're going to answer with the therefore. Since through God's mercy, we have this, what saints? Make sure you underline that, highlight it, circle it. Ministry. We do not, what saints? Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I don't want to come by might or by power, but I want to come by your spirit. And Lord, I just want to, uh, I want to come by the demonstration of the spirit and the power. I don't want to come with anything that I can bring. And I pray today, Lord, that you would make these words 
so clear that they would jump off the page, connect with the Spirit, and that, God, we would be transformed and that we would be motivated that in the very place that you have us is the very place that you're going to keep us as far as that you're going to take care of us. So, Lord, I pray that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart will be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. And I pray, God, that if there's anyone in here today that calls you God but doesn't know you as Lord, something miraculous would happen. If there are believers in this room today that you were their Lord, but maybe you're not Lord in certain areas, I pray, Lord, that they would surrender that to you today. God, I just want to pray today that something would move in the Spirit so that we, who are called by your people, will let the light of Jesus shine. So, Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sin. There are so many, I feel like David, they're right there before me between you and I. But by the blood of Jesus, they've been washed away. And I have been given the imputed righteousness of Christ because of the blood of Jesus. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. This is all for you. We give you glory and honor and praise. And all God's people said what? Amen and amen. I want you to look there with me in verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy... We have this what, saints? Uh, say that word again. We have this what? Now, I know you slept in an hour, but you might need a donut because I'm going to tell you something. The Lord in this room has given everybody a ministry. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there, you're like, I'm too cool for school because I'm in high school and I'm rocking in college or whatever else, and you think you don't have a ministry. I want to tell you something. By the very word of God, you and I have a ministry. Every one of us in this room has a ministry. And here's what's interesting about this ministry. It's a place where you and I can lose heart. It's a place, according to verse 1, that we can lose heart. It is a place that will, you and I will question the very reason why God has us. And maybe, come on somebody, if we're truthful, question even if God is going to remember us. Because see what happens, most of the time, we don't like where we are. We like the idea of where we're, I'm, I'm talking to myself over here today. You see, I wrote in my Bible and I told some of these guys backstage, and for y'all there in the balcony. By the way, it's good to see all those people in the balcony. I praise God for y'all. Some of y'all like, there's a balcony? Going up there next week. This ministry, I said this, my whole life, I've always wanted to step up instead of stepping in. Okay, I'll go over here. My whole life, I've always wanted to step up. God, move me up. Move me to a bigger ministry. More people. More things to do. More things again. And in our lives, that's what we want. We want a better job. We want better finances. We want better situations. Come on, tell the truth, somebody. We always want to step up. But God says, I'm not going to step you up until you step that's good. Because he said, if you're faithful over, I didn't hear you. If you're faithful over, you'll be faithful over. So until you step in, you're never going to step up. And so and what we want to do is we don't even want to step in. We just want to step out. And so then what we do is we abdicate it and we get mad and we say, God, why is the world going to hell? Well, the world's going to hell because the Christians don't step in. Because God didn't sign the government to rescue people. He designed Jesus Christ to rescue. I know I'm talking. He designed people, Jesus Christ to rescue people, so he's asking us to step into ministry. But we don't want to step into the ministry because we know if we step in, we're not going to like it and we're going to lose heart. And if we get into it, we're going to lose heart because everything, listen, I'm going to tell you the hardest thing to do in the world is serve Jesus Christ. Because you're not just swimming upstream. It's coming at you from every angle. It's not just See, I, I don't like swimming upstream because it insinuates that everything that attacks me is in front of me. Come on. You know that's true. Because the worst place people attack you is from behind. And those who know you the best can hurt you the most. Luke chapter 4, 
Jesus said as he read Isaiah 61. He said, if they feel, they want to take him to a cliff and kill him. His own people in his own hometown with his own family. Those who love you the best and hurt you the most. So it's not, we don't just swim upstream. We swim with everything coming around us. And then the Bible tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and uh-huh. So it's not against people. There's demonic attacks coming against people. Listen, I want to tell you something. If we're not prayed up and filled up and ready to set up for the Lord, we will step out. Because unless we're willing to step in, nothing is going to happen. Paul said, therefore, as a result of some things that are above, we need to talk about that in just a minute, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart because everybody in this room has a ministry and you and my ministry is going to be tested. Let's bump it down a little bit. Go to verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. This stuff is really good. Look what it says. And I'm going to use this, my version, and I'll be as good. It says the same thing. Therefore, look at verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose what, saints? Now, we just read it in verse 1. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we got mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Verse 1, verse 16. Therefore, as a result of everything after, verse 1, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are what, saints? See, I'm going to tell you something. Here's why I'm struggling. Here's why this Thanksgiving, I, I, Christmas, and all this. Listen, I want to tell you something. There's something good about being middle-aged, and there's something bad about middle-aged. See, the good thing about middle-aged is this, is you really don't care what you wear. See, I wore my corduroys for the last two days. That's why I ain't rocking them today. So don't judge me. I know some of you are like, rapture. Jesus is coming back. John's not in corduroys. I understand that. Y'all know that. See, when you're middle-aged, you ain't trying to impress nobody. There's nothing worse than an old dude trying to look 20. That's scary Jerry, people. But what happens, the bad thing about middle age is things don't work. Let me move to the older section. Things don't always work like they used to work. Can I get a witness? Come on. Yeah, yeah you're like, that's not people. Come on, please. All right, so what happens is, y'all don't even know, what happens is, is that things, listen, I begin to feel my fragile, fragileness. I, I can't, well, I never could really jump high. I know that's hard for you to imagine. But I can't jump like I used to jump. I can't run like I used to, listen, it's gotten so bad that my 10-year-old son can give me a run for my money. But the difference is, I can outsmart him. I mean, listen, here's what happens. Fragileness happens. Our bodies are wasting away. The reason why he says that, I don't care if you're 20 or I don't care if you're 200. In your flesh, we cannot do what God is asking us to do in our spirit. It ain't going to happen. can't happen. Because look what he says. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by what, saints? I mean, listen, the more we spend with God, with the people of God, serving God, living by the Spirit of God, God is transforming us, and we begin to believe more what the world says we can. God will do things in us. Everyone has a ministry right now. I know you're looking for a new job right now, but God says, step in before you step out. I know right now some of you are like this. I don't even know if I want to do this. I want to do that. I don't want to have this degree. Or that. I, listen, it's too hard. Too many syllabi, too many testaments. Listen, I want to tell you something. Step in. Quit fighting God. Quit. I got news for you. You ain't going to win. Take it from a loser. I fought him many years. You're not going to win. We're not going to win. But the good news is, through him, you 
and I will do things we never imagined we were going to do. Can you imagine me as a football coach out on this field? I kid you not. Lord, I'm just going to be very honest with y'all. Listen, I'm honest anyway, but I'm just going to tell you my feelings. I'm out there, Coach Gardino, offensive line coach. So I, well, you're offensive coordinator. So when I was offensive line coach, you're offensive coordinator. This is no joke. I'm out there on the practice field. Dude comes out on the field on a motorcycle with long hair. And I'm going, I kind of dig the hair. Like, I'm digging it. Like, it's kind of, you got to flow on a motorcycle. I used to have a motorcycle. I had a blonde rat tail. Don't judge me. It was braided. It was beautiful. I loved it. And I, and I had three blonde lines right here driving my motorcycle in college. Hips this wide. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hanging out. And listen, I, I, but this dude comes out there and I'm thinking, pastors are just freaks. They are weird. Look at him. He's like trying to be super hip and super cool. Doesn't he know he's a super nerd? Like he is just, like pastors are just, oh. And now I'm one of them. When you step in with the Lord, you never what you, you never know what you're going to step into, but you always know who you're stepping with. And that can be trusted. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be struggles in ministry. Look what he says. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Listen, win or lose, we're always trying to get ahead, but God says stop trying to get ahead and start getting in. Because here's why, what we do now can transform more than what we could ever do on this earth on our own. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to tell you a story. There's a guy that I know that many of you in this, well, I shouldn't say many, but a lot of you in this room know this person. I'm not going to tell you this person. This person is looked down on this campus. This person is looked as a, uh, sometimes as a joke on this campus. This person is kind of, and sometimes made fun of on this campus. But for some reason, y'all know me. The, the, the more different somebody is, the more I like. And so I have become friends with this person that a lot of people don't necessarily see as valuable. So I was telling this person that I wanted to do something. This nobody makes a phone call to somebody who then gives me free passes with all these money people to do something really neat, to experience something tremendous that I never would have gotten. And there's no way I could have even made enough money to even get into. But because all I did was show the love of Christ to what the world says was a nobody, God used a nobody to put me around a lot of people who thought they were somebody. And they paid for something that I didn't even pay for. It happens all the time. You never know. Something little with the Lord is something huge in this kingdom. Look what he says. Let's keep going. He says, because the eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what, saints? So we fix. When we step in, we don't look around, we look up. We always keep our eyes fixed on one, him who is the one who captivates us. always know when you, you get a little kid, you're trying to get them to focus. What do you do? You grab their face and you have them right here and you say, now listen. Right? I know my kids when they were little, when they wanted my attention, and I was like going like this, they would grab my face and they would say, Dad? And I was like, Look at me. It's close. I'm going cross-eyed. Look at me. They wanted my attention. That's all Jesus wants is our attention in the midst of the ministry that you have. Right now, 
Everybody in this room has a ministry. And I would dare say my conjecture is, my guess is, my surmise is that the very many of you do not like where God's got you. You would rather go be where you think God wants you to be more than be right where you are. But I want you to know that the only way to make it through the afflictions that come where God gives us in ministry is in verse 1, verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not, saints, what? Lose heart. The key, the key, the main idea is the only, only through God's mercy, only through the gift of Jesus Christ. He is the picture of mercy. Mercy satisfying the wrath of God so we get the blessing of God called grace, sometimes translated in the Old Testament mercy and the New Testament translated grace as Robbie spoke about, translated loving kindness, the word chesed in, in Hebrew, that word loving kindness is covenantal love, translated as grace in the New Testament. The only way to do what God has called us to do and not lose heart is mercy. It is his mercy. Let me show you something. Therefore, verse 1, since through God's mercy, what is God's mercy? We have this ministry. What is our ministry? Go back to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. And he's going to talk about the ministry of the law compared to the ministry of the Spirit. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in the letters of stone, that is Ten Commandments, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit, that's what we have. If Moses came down the mountain and he had God's glory and people were like, ooh, Mufasa, right? I mean, they were just like, whoa, what just happened to Moses? He went up there pale, and now he looks like he's been at the beach. What's happening? Here's the deal. What happens is God's glory, his weighted Shekinah glory, it, it not only causes us to bow the knee, it not only causes us to bow our heads, but it also causes us to reflect his presence. Here's what happens. In this glory, we have a ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious. And the reason why it's more glorious is because it points to the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ, and it is permanent. Let's keep going. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, that is the law. The wages of sin is death. How do we know that we sin? We broke the law. The law is a tutor to lead us to Christ, Galatians says, right? That's the whole point. For what was glorious has now, uh, excuse me, if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory, the law, came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? We have an opportunity by the Spirit to do ministry all the time, everywhere we go, live, work, play, go to school. This is our ministry, and our lives should reflect the presence of God. We are His image. Jesus is carved in our hearts. Everybody fills it with everything else. But we, who are believers, have said yes, God, to the imprint that he put on us since birth. And we said, fill us with your spirit. And he fills us, and my cup overflows. And now we give, and we give regardless of what is given back. Because we know that we're fulfilling exactly what God has called us to do. And in that calling rests our joy. What he's asked to do. That is why it's so important. Hebrews 4, excuse me, 10, verse 4 says it's impossible for the blood of goats, bulls, whatever else. And I'll paraphrase, to wash away sin. It's impossible because only Jesus Christ can do that. Do that. And that's the ministry of the Spirit. And so now I want us to see something, what happens in this. So how do we not lose heart? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2. I want us to see something here. How do we not lose heart? Look at verse 2. So here's like an action. Here's an action that, that it gives us. Paul says he's writing to them. He's like, listen, 
Don't lose heart. And if you feel like you're losing heart, here's something that you can respond to. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. He says, don't play any secrets. Don't have any secrets. So today, one of the things we can do is say, God, I'm not going to hide anything from you. Listen, this is what I found. When I don't hide anything from God, I don't hide anything from people. But here's what I found. When I want to hide something from God, I'm going to hide from people. Right? Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God in Genesis 3, what did they do? They did what? They hid. When kids know they're wrong, they hide. I'll tell you what, there's a word today that's, that, that's used for hiding. It's called avoiding. Got quiet on me. When we avoid things, it's because we don't want to deal with things. And avoidance is the same as hiding, and I'm the king of it. And I confess that I avoid, I avoid hoping that something else will come up so I don't have to deal with it. And God says, listen, if you're going to avoid the things that I've asked you to do in ministry, then you're not going to be able to reflect my presence in the midst of ministry. I can't. I can't avoid. I have to be all in. Look what he said. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Live an open book life. Listen, I don't have to tell you all my sins. I just got to tell you about how great God is. I just have to tell you about how wonderful he is. Listen, don't hide anymore from anybody else. Don't hide. Just get real with God. God, this is real. This is what I'm feeling. God, I hate you. God, I hate you in this. I hate this. I hate this. There's nothing that burns me up anymore than seeing bad people get ahead of Christian people. Anybody else with me? That burns me. It makes what little hair I have back here stand up. It absolutely just fires me up. And I want to just go, how long, oh Lord? How long? I, I want to do that, but I, one thing I know is that if I focus on that, I'm going to lose heart. But God says, listen, renounce every secret and shameful thing, God. Uh, John, just renounce it and just come to me. Just come to me if you're weary. Come to me of your burden, and guess what? I'm going to transform your heart that's anxious and give you this heart of rest. But you've got to be all in. I was reading in Stephen Furry's little book, Greater, it's just it's an older book, but he was talking about something, just, I was kind of just musing on a point. He said this, he, he asked this question, and this is what I've been asking. He said, if God has called all of us to do great things, then why do most people not experience them? Let's, let me say it again. You ready? Gotta get ready. This is good. If God has if God has called us to us to do great things, then why do most people not experience them? If everyone is called so that to that which is greater, why are so many people stuck? I went. You're right. Why does everybody? feel stuck sometimes. I hear that as a pastor. John, I just feel stuck. I feel like I'm just going nowhere. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Has anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, just as an internal witness, has anybody ever felt stuck? Let me tell you, listen to what God's people did when they were stuck. It's interesting. He said this. He said that living the greater life doesn't start withdrawing up the blueprints for a new us, for a new you. That's not how a greater life is achieved in Christ or with dreaming big dreams or imagining good things. He says your greater life doesn't begin with building your dream house your, your greater life begins with burning down your old house. Woo! I want to do a lap. He nailed it. He nailed it. I'm sick of these books and sick of these preachers saying, bigger you, 
better you, greater you. The, it's not even about me. It, the question is not as what is God's will for your life. The question is, God, what is your will? Now, the life that you've given me, I throw it into your will. It's not even about me. So here's the whole idea. It's not about doing something greater. It can't do something greater until I burn where I am. Let me show you an example biblically because I just tried to share it. Go to 1 Kings in your Bible. Sorry about this. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 21. Keep your fingers there. 2 Corinthians. We're getting ready to land this plane, so get ready. Go to 1 Kings. This is chapter 19. This is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I've read it so many times. And it just jumped out at me when he said it. First Kings 19. Wait, I'm in Samuel, sorry. Long book. First Kings 19. Go down to verse 19. Woo! This is good, people. If you want God to change where you are, He's going to have to change me. The only way to not lose heart in the ministry that God has called us to is by the mercies of God. And here is a merciful act of God. Verse 19. So Elijah, Elijah's the great prophet. He was taken up uh, by chariots of fire. Woo! I mean, this man is amazing. He's powerful. He's anointed. He is the, he is the one that... Uh, Jesus would say, John the Baptist is like the Elijah for me. He's the forerunner. He's the one proclaiming, make straight the way of the Lord. I love this dude, Elijah. He's, he's so wild, but I love Elisha even more because we have less words than Elijah gave, but, but double the miracles. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yokes of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Don't miss that. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. And then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? If God is calling you and I to step into the ministry, and before circumstances change, we got to change. And the only way for us to change is to say, God, you can have all of me. It's your mercies. I'm called to be a living sacrifice. Everyone who's a believer is called. And so now something's got to change. Everybody's like, I hate where I am. Not everybody. People are like, I hate where I am. I hate where I am. Let me ask you a question. Do you hate where you are because you don't like who you are? Sometimes circumstances bring up the worst thing. Maybe God allows us so God can say, God, that's got to change. Not so you can be a better you, so people can see more of you. Because you're the picture of my grace and my face. You're the picture. People don't read Bible. They just read those who proclaim. They read the Bible. So I'm going to put you in summit through situations that are difficult, you're not going to have as much as other teams. You're not going to have as much as other people. But here's what I want the world to know. It's not what the world can give you that makes you have much. It's the one who is with you that has much. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God will put me and give me everything I need according to his riches and glory. So look what he says here. So look what Elisha, Elisha had a chance to either go back and just kind of, hey, mom, dad, I'll be back in a little bit. Look what he did in verse 21. Here's what happened, saints. 
So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and what, saints? He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. If any man would come after me, Jesus said, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. He did not just leave his stuff. He burned it all up. That is why before you build a new house, you first, as Furtick says, you've got to be a good arson. You've got to burn something up before something in you says yes, I'll do it. We've got to be willing to leave whatever it is that's about us and say yes to Jesus. Because here's why. When we're in a place of serving Him in ministry, we are going to have needs that only He can meet. And I want to tell you, it will test every faith in your body and in your bones. Will Jesus show up and do what he's going to do? Worship team, you can come on up here because this is where we're going to land this plane. This is what's going to happen. So here's the application to this. So if the only through God's mercy, I'm not going to lose heart, what happens if I feel like I'm about to lose heart, John? What happens? What am I going to do? Some people, this is how some people lose heart. Again, Lord, this is so good. As John Piper would say, the fret of inadequacy, I'll put it in, in, in my terms. I just don't feel like I'm, I know enough Bible to do. How many times have you heard that as a leader? I, I'm just not good enough. I, I just don't know enough. I, I don't know if I could be that. I don't know if I could step into it. I'm not ready to step in. Um, how many times have you said this? I'm, I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. Listen, God called me to pastor, and all I had was a secular degree. If somebody said, eschatology to me, I thought they just cussed me. Look, I'm saying this to Brad if, if I was thinking about ministry, about what I knew, I would never go. If it's about what I know, but it's not about what I know, it's about who I know. So as long as God is with me, I knew that God could do what he wanted to do. All he wanted was somebody to say yes. And what happened to me, the burn of my heart was yes. Being greater than the fear of failure because I wanted to be with Jesus more than anything else. And you can ask my wife, you can ask her to the day she dies, the one thing she knows, that she knows, that she knows, that God called me into ministry because I did not waver. Oh, was it dark? Was it hard? Did I cry? Did I suffer? Did I second question everything? Did my friends leave me? Did people think I'm weird and everything else? Yes, yes, and yes. But in the moment of darkness, the sweet presence of Jesus was more. And today, he will be that for you. But we gotta, we gotta renounce our shameful ways. What do I mean by that? No more secrets. Just tell him everything. Burn the oxen. Burn the yoke. Burn it down so that all is left is you and I. And that's all God wants. He's already got the riches. He just wants the personnel. You have a ministry here and you don't like it. Some of you as a football coach here. I'm going to get straight up. Some of you are an athlete here. Let's break it down. Some of you are single and you're like, and you hate it. It's not good for men to be alone. No, it's not. God didn't give you the gift of celibacy. And you, and you should be going, praise Jesus. But this is your ministry. You're free to do something that nobody else can do right now. Some of you, you're at a place, and you're like, no, I'm cancering. I'm cancering. Trust me, get in a marriage. That was funny. Because you know there's some days my wife woke up and said, I'm transferred. I said, I'm going with you. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and leave. I'm coming right out the door with you. Kids, y'all got to take care of yourselves. Bye. What did Tim Hawkins say? Drop ass, take chances, use your road rage. All right, so 
Like, I'm leaving. You know, you know where you are. You're like, I just, I just don't like that professor. Well, I want to stay with you. There's about 200 other students that don't like him either. But what, what has that got to do with the calling of God in your life? You were called to burn the bridges. You can't look back. Robbie's called to lead worship. Can't look back. Can't go all the songs that God has given you and all the songs that you write. Can't look back. You can't go that. Well, I'm going to use them for secular reasons. I'm going to make a lot of money. Yeah, you go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. And you know what? You'll make a lot of money because you're talented and you'll do very well. But you will lie down at night. Woo! And you will have to fill that deep carve of Jesus called no peace with every girl and every drug and every drink because can't nobody satisfy us but you. You have a ministry. And you're going to want to lose heart. Lucas back there. I love Lucas. You know the only reason he came here as a teaching fellow? Because he looked around, and out of all the teaching fellows at the school, there was only one guy, Blake Rowland. He said, I got a chance. All these girls are believe. <laughs> he's like, I'm good. But he's going to be tried. People are going to let him down. People are going to let you down. This is your ministry. So what do you do? Here's how we land it. I know this sounds so juvenile and so outdated, but when we worry how inadequate we are, what we do is we turn to the God who is not inadequate about who we are. Let's land it. Hebrews 4, 16. You ready? Just turn there and we're done. Hebrews 4, 16. So every time you go to your classroom, do not feel inadequate. I don't care. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in this world has trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will, not might, not maybe, you will have what, saints? Listen, some of you, your parents don't even like you and walked out on you. And guess what? If they don't repent, they're going to have literal hell to pay. Some of you in this room have been treated wrong by a boss. Some of you were cheated on in a relationship. Some people have absolutely rejected you. I want to tell you something, that that does not make you inadequate because there is a God whose riches are greater than any emotion and any money a man can give you. Hebrews 4. Let us then approach, or another version says, draw what? Draw near. Let us then approach God's throne of what, saints? With confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let me cut it right here. John Piper said this sentence, God's timing is always perfect, but rarely is it ours. Can I get a witness? And Robbie, this is why this is the most intimate time for me. It is through prayer. If you don't like it, if people say it's basic, it's generic. Listen to what prayer does. Prayer causes me to trust in the throne of grace even when I don't see the timing of God. Prayer causes you and I to trust in the throne of grace when we don't see the timing of grace because as long as there's a throne of grace, I will receive grace. And to say that God won't give me grace means there's nobody sitting on the throne. But there is a throne of grace and today, you and I can pray, and it causes us to trust the one on the throne of grace, even though we need that grace. And God is saying, I got you in that grace tomorrow. I got you in that grace next week. That is the time that is coming. But until that time, will you trust the one on the throne who's going to be the one who's going to be the deliverer? That's what prayer does. Prayer gives us to trust the grace that's coming when we don't see if it's come. That's what it does. Prayer 
called and says, is there something that you're saying, God, I need you to show up struggling to believe it. Guess what? Pray to the one on the throne of grace. And it says that we will receive, will receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. You're saying, but John, this is my time of need. And God says, it's not your time yet. But guess what he did say? He will meet it. He will meet your need in that time. Because there's one who's on the throne. If he doesn't, if there's no throne of grace, there's nobody who can give you grace. But trust in the one who is on the throne of grace, and he will deliver. Renounce shameful and secret ways. Bear it all to the Lord. And guess what? He will do what he said he's going to do. Don't lose heart. Stop looking around and start looking. Oh, Father, that is my prayer. Throne of grace. Throne of grace. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. He hears us. He hears us. He hears us. He will act. God, you're saying to anybody in this room, who wants to come and draw near the throne of grace? The throne room is open. The throne room is open because of Jesus. And you will help us in our time of need. And we're saying right now, and you're saying not yet, but the prayer will get us through. It will be a form of grace to get us to the place of grace. We need you now, Lord. We need your presence now. You will not leave us. You will not forsake us. You're not a liar. You're not a lunatic. You are Lord. And today, we pour hearts out to you. Lord, I, Lord, you're going to do it. If there's anyone in this room that needs your salvation grace, you've done it. The question is, will they receive it? Right now, you're making them easy in the heart, and they're just saying, no, I'll wait a little bit. I want to have fun. I'll wait a little bit. I'm not ready. I'll wait a little bit. I need to get this thing fixed. God, the truth is, nobody can fix this for Jesus. I pray they'll receive it. But you died on the cross. It was the blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus that paid for our sins. God, you rose him from the dead on the third day. And because you're changing our heart, we will now confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord. I pray that they will do that today. They'll make it known that they'll hide their salvation and call people to follow you. Lord, for all these believers in this room, there's a lot of grace in that throne room. There's a lot of grace to be given. There's a lot of mercy to be given. The question is, will we trust the one on the throne before we get the presence from the throne? You got us, Lord. We are in your hands, and your arm is not too short. Your hand is not too small. We are faithful.